Greet everyone in the name of Jesus. Welcome you all here for this service. Stand <clears throat> before you apologetically. I should have done more studying. Saturdays seem to not be very long some days. And uh, depending on your priorities sometimes or things that need to be done, there's also would welcome some ideas for messages I was had a few thoughts rolling around my head, and then nice fluffy thoughts. And by the time I picked a few feathers off, there's very scrawny little remains left. So um, <clears throat> didn't go very far. Some of the, I'm gonna look at something this morning. You can turn with me to First Peter chapter two for a text. We live in a country that has lots of natural resources, and some people claim we Canada could be pretty much self-sufficient. I don't think we would have textiles like not very many cotton fields. So, and rubber, I don't think we would have. I don't think we could be self-sufficient completely, but. We know Canada has many resources, many natural things, and we're all involved in processes of manufacturing or whatever. We we all have been part of or are part of different things, either extracting raw materials or parts of transforming them into finished products, some have been, some of you have done things basically probably start to finish process, but but we know that there are many different aspects of processing goods to a finished product, whether it's logs to lumber and very interesting, some of the processes. I'd, someday I would like to see the whole process of mining completely through to finished metal. But, you know, metal is still just uh, material then. And I've been in, involved in at least moving the logs part to um, turning them into boards, but I've never... Some of you have been in, involved in the other end of that completely through to building a finished a building or furniture or whatever. There's intriguing steps in the whole process. Someday I'd like to see through the pulp mill and watch the whole process of turning those ugly logs. We bring them into finished paper. <clears throat> Sisters are involved in turning raw materials into meals, maybe dresses, clothes, so forth. But this morning we want to look at our lives as us, us as people, as being works in progress as well. I think we all would understand that, in a sense, we are not complete um, products yet either. We're all involved in this um, ongoing work. For those of us who are saved, we are all works in progress. We are no longer raw material, but we are far from finished product. 
Sometimes as Christians, we might have a tendency to look at a new believer and expect them to act as if they had been um, saved for decades or that we would, sometimes we might have tendency to to be critical maybe of when we see people falter and fail and are quick to point out the flaws. We might even go as far as to question their salvation. But the fact remains that everyone, each one is a work in progress. There are spiritual babes learning to walk. And I think it's important for us to understand that all of us are involved in the sanctification process. We all probably have a long ways to go. If it wasn't for loving God who is constantly working on us, we would probably be crude vessels of clay still, and probably still are a lot of us. He is molding us into what he wants us to be. I think we probably all are familiar with the the children's song or the song, He's Still Working on Me, and there are some interesting um, ideas in that song, or at least it's maybe a little crude, but it's true that there really ought to be a sign upon my heart, don't judge me yet, there's an unfinished part, but I'll be perfect just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hands. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Those are just some of the some of the thoughts. And uh, yeah, we, of course, going through this message, we realize that there's no excuse for for sin. There's no excuse for not doing what we can to improve ourselves. But the main focus is that we all are at times products that need to maybe be reworked and. All of us still have growing to do. Here in First uh, Peter chapter two, verses one to three, I'll just read these verses now. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is what we ought to be looking at this morning, but in the previous um, chapter, Peter here talks about the purification process. And uh, before a product can be turned into a useful, or before something can be turned into a useful product, a lot of time is often spent on purification processes, if it's metal or if it's jewelry, gold, or whatever. You can't just make a beautiful finished product if your materials has flaws in it or isn't purified properly. <clears throat> in First uh, Peter, chapter one, your <clears throat> verses six and seven. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, perisheth, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Especially verse 7 there, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. I think God often also brings the fires of life upon us to purify us, and he needs to do that because we, I think we all understand the material that we naturally have wouldn't make very good finished products if they weren't refined. He also describes the glory of our salvation in verses, again, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 and 12. <clears throat> it says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And to whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. This is a beautiful picture of our salvation. It says here that even the angels have an interest in that. They haven't experienced that, but they are impressed with that process that of our salvation of Christ. Um, the suffering of Christ being made available for us to have that relationship with him through that the end of this chapter he speaks of the importance of holiness in verses 13 to 23 just read these verses <clears throat> wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who is without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. <clears throat> Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. <clears throat> seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. <clears throat> see, we 
have a responsibility, we have a calling to purify ourselves. I mean, we can not fully purify ourselves, of course, but we need to do what we can to become holy like he is holy. As we enter into chapter 2 here of this epistle, the apostle speaks of progress or growth in the Christian life. He speaks of salvation, of turning away from sin, the importance of God's word, and the fact that we should delight in the Lord. Let's look at this growth process. So number one, we need to be depending on Christ. In uh, last verse of chapter 1 here, verse 25, But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Here Peter speaks of the gospel that was preached. What is this gospel? This gospel is the good news of salvation through Christ Jesus. We need to be depending on Christ. And uh, what helps us to depend on him is to know his his instruction to us by reading the word. First Corinthians 1 verse 21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I think we can't underestimate the preaching of the gospel in the salvation process. The Christians in Asia Minor, whom Peter was writing to, received the gospel through the preaching of the word. They, they established churches there, or they became strong churches that we were that they were, primarily because of the preaching of the apostles. And uh, we know in our in our Christian walk, in our um, appreciation of who Christ is, much of that is also through the preaching of the word and teaching of the word. Various people explaining what the scripture has done for them, what the word has done, what the word means to them and different interpretations of or uh, how the word, what the word means by different peoples expressing that. In verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We also need to have that desire of the word. Peter is referring to the spiritual birth. Jesus also told Nicodemus about being born again in John 3, verse 3 to 7. Just read those verses. John 3, verse 3 to 7. Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Actually, I should read, start from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, 
For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Stop reading there. So if we expect to get to heaven, we too must be born again. It's very simple. It's a fundamental part of the Christian experience. And then reading also John 3, verses 16 of course, 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, already. because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, affirming or showing that we must be born again if we want to reach the presence of God in heaven. Notice that Jesus to Nicodemus here said that we are to believe in him this means more than just a head knowledge. The Greek word for believe literally means to entrust. Or in order to become a Christian, you must depend on Christ. The moment that we do, that we, that we depend on him, we will become a work in progress. All right, the second one, dealing with sin. First Peter 2, verse 1, says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. Let's just say that dealing with sin is not something we can do apart from Christ. I think we've probably all tried at one point in our lives to deal with sin by our own strength or of ourselves, and that never works. But we do have a responsibility also in this process. It's not just that we have no part in this at all. We have to let, we have to make sure that we always let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Our sinful nature continually craves that which it has always craved. And our sinful nature is directly opposed to what the Spirit wants. But the Holy Spirit gives us a desire that is opposite of what our sinful nature desires. So we need to continually make choices of which side we give the power to or which side we listen to. The flesh and spirit are constantly battling one another. We all know that, but 
that's where our where we have a part in our salvation process is to make those decisions continually who we listen to, who we feed. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. We will never be able to deal with sin on our own. But when we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will help us to do just that, to to deal with sin. We must also deal with all sins in our lives, not just the big sins or the obvious ones. Since you're in verse 1. This verse is a continuation of chapter 1 here. You'll remember in the last part here that we read, those verses were speaking of us becoming more holy or growing in holiness. We see in the previous chapter in verse 13, it says we need to Think clearly, gird up the loins of your mind means to discipline our minds, I think. To think clearly, it also means to, or spoke of being sober. In verse 13, verse 14, says to live as obedient children. These are also um, responsibilities we have, disciplines we need to have. Also, to not return to our former lust. We are to be holy in verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, or all aspects, all parts of our of our life that we go through. Now in chapter 2, Peter continues to tell the believer how to achieve holiness. He tells us, some things that we are to lay aside. To lay aside the way he used it there means to cast off or to throw away. It's kind of like in a Sunday school lesson we looked at putting on or more this morning anyway we looked at putting on of a garment and this this verse here, or these words, to mean mean to cast aside the filthy garments of our old life. First, we need to first of all throw them away before we can put on this new spiritual life. It's kind of this process is kind of uh, like process of uh, orchards of pruning the trees. We need you know this time of the year or soon anyways, time of pruning, we need to clear away the old, the dead, or we could um, compare that to planting a garden as well. Before we plant a garden, we need to clear that land. We need to get rid of those rocks and roots and stumps, the debris. That has to be gotten rid of before we can plant the new seed, before we can plant the garden. 
And then also there needs to be tilling done as well. All the old, the that which would hinder the new growth has to be cleaned up. Before we can grow as Christians, we also must remove those things that would hinder us. And then we don't, obviously, we know it's not just a once and done thing, but periodically those rocks, there will be new rocks. We sometimes wonder how those things continue to grow, but need to continually be dealt with. The sins of our past that surround us in this wicked world that we live in. These sins that are prevalent and powerful in our lives that would hinder our spiritual growth must continually be dealt with. So we must take the proper steps to lay aside and to cast off anything that prevents our progress. In verse 1, has uh, five words here that we need to deal with. Malice. What is the definition of malice? The intent or the desire to do evil. More specifically, it refers to ill will towards someone with the intent to harm. So malice isn't just an attitude, a bad attitude, but it specifically refers to the intent to do harm or to cause someone ill ill will or, or harm. We need to cast that aside. Another thing we need to cast aside is guile. Guile refers to deceitfulness. This means to trick or mislead someone. Something we need to root out of our lives. Number three, hypocrisies, which is acting in a way that contradicts our stated belief. In the sense to put on a different front than what we truly are. Number four, envyings, desiring to have a quality possession or other some other desirable characteristic of someone else. Envyings can cover even more than that and a whole lot of things, but we need to cast aside or root out envyings from our lives. This attribute, attribute of envyings, is often the motivation for some for one's guile and hypocrisy. And then number five, evil speakings would be slander, making false and or damaging statements about someone. This kind of person will say one thing to your face and then run you down behind your back. No evil speakings can be hurtful, or usually are hurtful, and they need to be rid of our lives. Peter says that if these things are a part of our life, we are to remove them. Since we are told to lay aside these actions, this shows that we are capable and responsible for these sins. Because if we couldn't do anything about that, he wouldn't, said we, he wouldn't have said that we need to cast them aside also encourages us in the fact that through the power of the Spirit, we can cast them off. We can be victorious over these. And the third one, we need to have a desire for the word in chapter 2. 
mentioned this earlier, but since as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We know that small babies desire the nourishment from milk. And Christians, as Christians, we get our spiritual nourishment from the word of God. A, a baby can't live very long without milk, and a Christian will not grow without studying the word of God, without reading the scripture of of God. Peter says that we should desire, should desire personal fellowship with God through his word each day. We need to develop so that we're able to take solid spiritual food. And uh, we know that we can't just always expect to grow if we just lightly or just read the word of God without actually digging in, without studying. We need to make progress so that we can get the, the real meat of what Christ has for us in, in the word. Our goal should be to make progress every day. This book that we have, that we are blessed to hold in our hands, is essential to our lives. We should desire it. We should desire this milk so that we may grow. Peter is talking about growing in grace. Growing in grace is not becoming more saved than we were at the moment of conversion. We know that at the moment of conversion, we're as saved as we can be, as saved as we need to be. Growing in grace is not becoming more pardoned from our sins than when we were converted. And growing in grace is not becoming more justified than we were at our moment of salvation. But Christian growth is experiencing and understanding the love of God. Christian growth is learning more of what God wants us and learning that through his word. Christian growth is being able to do more of what God wants us to do. Examples in the Bible of individuals who were growing in grace. One would be, oh, there's lots of them, but some good example. One would be John, you know, at first referred to as the son of thunder, and he grew, developed to the disciple of love. This was a progression. At first there were some, we could say, sharp edges in his life that needed to be rounded off. Also Paul, you know, his experience, he was completely saved at his Damascus experience, but was he the same person there as what he was later? We see that progression there as well. He was, it was a work of progress. The road... Paul of the Damascus road to the Paul of the Roman road. Progression. Also Peter. Peter of denial to the Peter of devotion. It's a progression. How do we deal with sin? How do we allow Christ to work through the process of our lives? 
Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11. Turn if you want to. Probably know these verses by heart. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. That's how we become more holy, by cleansing our way, by taking heed to his word, by not wandering from his commandments, by hiding his word in our hearts, by not sinning against him. All right, number four, delighting in the Lord. In verse 3, chapter Peter chapter 2, verse 3, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I think that refers to Psalm 34, verse 8. 34, verse 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I think we all, if we have been saved, saved, we have also tasted that the Lord is gracious. Just, just as milk for a baby is sweet, the word of God is sweet to the Christian. At salvation, we experience how gracious the Lord is to those who trust him. The people that Peter here was writing to had also tasted the goodness of Christ. They were born again of incorruptible seed, and their hearts were purified by the truth. Their lives truly were a work in progress. And they could also rest assured that he which had begun a good work in them would perform it until the day of Christ, like it says in Philippians 1 verse 6. And we today can cling to the same promises. We also know that Christ will help us in our purification process. We probably also would admit that we fail at times, many times, and Satan would like nothing better for us to quit and become discouraged and to give up the fight, but don't become discouraged, don't don't uh, deny Christ to continue to work in your lives, in our lives. Don't let him stop that process. Remember to continue on in this great work. Don't become discouraged. Get up and continue forward. Continue to be a work in progress. I think we'll stand for prayer at this time. Probably call on Dale to lead in prayer this week. struggles that we face, that you are patient and gracious with us and help us.
spirit in our lives to grow in areas that you want us to grow and as your spirit prompts us to, that we could be better fit to serve you and to show show you to the world. Yes, we continue guys to go with us through the remainder of this day, through the coming week. Keep us in your care. Keep us free from sin and evil. Are you maybe seated? Call for a song. <laughs> 